obsessed. My dog at the moment does this thing, drives me fucking nuts. When she wants to go outside, instead of pouring at the door like a normal dog, she trots around and does like a lap through the lounge room and the kitchen and just goes in circles. Oh, that's so cute though. Oh, it gets really annoying because she we have hardwood floors, so she's... Oh, and so I'm, she's figured out the noise annoys you. Yes, right. very much. Oh, they're smart. They can figure you out, I swear. Yeah. Welcome back. This is uh, the... Dead Obsessed Xmas Guestmas Variety Season. My guest today is Amanda. Hello. Hi. Hi. That's me. <laughs> um, so, Amanda, you've got, we'll promo it at the end as well, but you've got two podcasts, don't you? Yes, because I don't like spare time, apparently. Fair. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, the first one is, the first one that I think I saw you on on Instagram was called Fuck Me Dead. Yeah, which it, 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 clearly it's an Australian podcast. Because I was going to say is the most Australian <laughs> thing I've ever heard. And most so most of our listeners are in the US. So okay. for US listeners, I'll just explain saying something like when Australians say, oh, fuck me dead. It's like, holy shit. Or like, yeah, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that's happened again. It's very contextual, exactly. but it's it's an expression. Don't it's not you a. Can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can use it in any situation. Any situation is good to say fuck me dead in. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's my second favourite Australian phrase. The first one would be, I didn't come here to fuck spiders. Oh, I love that one too. It's, it's so, so good. good. Um, and the other one's called Devil's Margarita, which I just love the name of. So good. Well, we were like having trouble naming it. And so we're like, let's Google Halloween cocktails. I don't know how we got there, but that's how we got there. Perfect. And uh, there was one called Devil's Margarita. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go with that. So... <laughs> That's great. Um, so you're doing a – we other people have been calling them hometown murders. We call them your city stories because it's, you know, a little bit more relevant to where you are or where you have been. Um, so you're doing your personal city story, right, or something that's happened around the city. So you're in Melbourne too. Yes, I am in Melbourne as well. Yeah. Um, so I only moved to Melbourne about two years ago, so I'm, I'm pretty fresh. Same. <laughs> and uh, when we first moved here, we moved to Brunswick, uh, which is where the story takes place today. Um, and we don't live that far from there now. So even now, I would still walk past where this happens Ooh, all the time. Okay. So it's very, very weird when I was researching it, going through all the places and the street names, and I'm like, oh, I know exactly where that is. Um so in a, I think it gives you like more of a personal connection when you can actually relate it to a place that you've laid eyes on rather than yeah. just hearing about it in context. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely being like, I know exactly like how everything looks when you tell that story yeah. kind of thing. It's, it's the worst, but also like the best in the worst way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to say it's better because I'm like, it's not good to imagine this, but <laughs> Also, no. <laughs> it just, I don't know, it makes me understand more, I think, um, like when you're researching it and you're like, oh, yeah, that place. You're like, holy oh, shit, I know that door. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> when I looked up the actual spot on like Google Maps, I'm like, oh, I've definitely walked past that before. Jesus. Um, and had no idea that th- that was the exact spot that it happened. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, my guests will tell me their, either their favorite story or something like that. This is really exciting. Um, I think that you should go first oh i'm a bit nervous <laughs> <laughs> well would you rather close or would you rather open no let's 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 do it let's rip the band-aid off <laughs> okay all right 
Um, so uh, I, I don't know if you guys do this, but I'm probably going to say trigger warning because I am going to talk about rape, which, you know, I understand is triggering for some people. So just be warned, be prepared. Cool. Trigger warning um, on this one. And yeah, tell me a story. Tell me a story. I'm excited. Okay. So I have a feeling, especially if you're in Australia, you probably know this story because it was big news and it wasn't that long ago. Um, so I'm going to tell the story of uh, Jill Ma. Um, don't know if you remember it. But... I actually don't know this one. Okay. And okay. I don't know um, if it's something that like I just wasn't paying attention to at the time or something like that. But when you like, I don't know, it, it sounds familiar, but I can't pick it. So I'm excited to figure out if I do know what you're talking about or not. I have a feeling that you will just because it was such a huge media story at the time. Um, like I definitely, I, I lived in Sydney at the time, so I was a state away and I still heard about it. Um, All right. So I just feel like if you're in Australia at the time, probably would have heard it. Bring it on. Um, but it's a, it's a rough one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not good. Um, obviously, this is true crime. Of course, it's not good. <laughs> None of this is good. That's kind of the point. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Jill Ma was originally from Ireland, but had been living in Australia for quite a long time. Um, she got a citizenship way back in like 94. And I think she'd been living here. That's the year that I was well. born. <laughs> um, so I think she was 29 at the time. So she'd been here most of her life. Yeah. What year is um, it? So she got a citizenship in 94, but the actual thing I'm about to talk about happens in 2012. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. So she'd been here for a long time. Yeah. I would say at this point you're a local. Like, oh, yeah. She's Australian at that point. Come on. Um, it so doesn't take long. Moved... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Um, she had moved to Melbourne in 2009. And at the time she was living in Brunswick with her husband, Tom. Now, I want to point out, like straight up that they were happily married there was no issues in their relationship they were thinking about buying a house and starting a family and all that good stuff Um, because you know people always suspect the husband it's the husband right I don't don't know if you're (laughs) foreshadowing or not is it actually the husband spoiler it wasn't which is why I'm saying that yay (laughs) I thought you were trying to trick me I didn't no, want to fall for I, it. Because I just feel like every time something happens, it's the husband. I think there's, isn't there like, um, there's a merch store somewhere. Murder yeah, apparel. Yeah, yeah, I see the them. husband did it. <laughs> yeah. I'm so going to wear that on I'm our like... anniversary, me and my husband. <laughs> that's why for this one, I'm going to say straight up that they were happily married because it was not him. It was oh, good. Okay. one of the outliers. It wasn't the husband. Okay. Um, that's good to know. <laughs> So she was working for the ABC in the city and um, on Friday, the 21st of September in 2012, she went out for drinks after work, which I feel like is a very normal thing to do on a Friday. Yeah, it wasn't until this year anyway. Yep. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, I haven't been outside Um, in a while. Same. (laughs) Um, So at about 9pm, her and three of her co-workers decided that they wanted to go closer to home. They wanted to finish out their night with more drinks in Brunswick. Um, so they went to the Brunswick Green Hotel on Sydney Road and they finished up there at about one, but they still decided they wanted to go for just one last drink, um, which like, go that's, them. Hell yeah. Way. I was just thinking about that <laughs> yeah. and I was like, that's so late for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they go for one final drink at a bar called Bar Etiquette, um, which is only about 900 metres from where Jill lived. That's handy. The bar has since shut down. And when I read that, I'm like, I wonder if it has to do with the pub, like the media coverage around right. that being the last place that she was. Did it say when it closed down? 
No, I couldn't find that on Google, oh. but I have to wonder. Yeah. There's another bar there now and it looks completely different. So maybe they're just trying to distance themselves. Yeah, probably. You wouldn't want your business to be associated with something like this. No, so. no. It's like going to the Claremont Hotel. They sort of lent into it a little bit with the Claremont serial killer because that's where all the victims last went. Um, and they've, But they've got these beautiful in memoriam pictures on the wall of them, oh, okay. which is that's a really, really nice cool. way to sort of do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so after they'd finished their final drink at about 1.30, a co-worker did offer to walk Jill home because it wasn't far, but she declined for the same reason. It's like a 10-minute walk. It's down a busy main street. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit that I personally would have done the same. I would have assumed it would have A lot been of people fine. would, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I've done this before. Um, so I don't think it's too odd that she said no. I have massive anxiety. I definitely wouldn't have. I, But I'm also lazy. I would have gotten an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part of me that's like, oh, no, I'd totally do that. But now that I do true crime so much, I'm like, maybe not now. Maybe I'm I think, a bit too paranoid. I think my laziness has saved me probably more than once <laughs> because I will always catch an uber or like just do <laughs> and never walk anyway <laughs> uh, i mean that's a good thing though because mm. you're still here <laughs> yes so we get to 2 a.m rolls around and her husband tries to contact jill but there's no answer by 4 a.m and i can't imagine what he was thinking at this point not having heard from her at all um he's yeah beyond worried so he goes out in the streets of brunswick and starts looking for her when he doesn't hear anything by 6 a.m., he reports her as missing. I would be, I don't even know how to describe how uh, anxious I would be by that point. Yeah, yeah. Good on him for yeah. not doing that thing where people are like, you have to wait 12 hours or 24 hours. That happens so often. I'm like, yeah. that's a lie. It's not real. Yeah, well, I have to admit, I thought that was true up until very recently. So <laughs> um, I'm glad that he went straight away. Um but unfortunately, it wouldn't make a difference to the outcome. So initially, after she was reported missing, because like I just said before, everyone suspects the husband, mm. obviously. So the police went straight in on him. I feel really bad for him um, because they went through like his apartment, all of his electronics, his car. They were trying to find anything on him to pin it on him, basically. Uh, I hate um, it when they do that. But I mean, I guess statistically, it's usually someone who's close when people yeah. go missing so i get it but also i just want uh, to constantly hold a big sign that just says follow the evidence not the suspect right <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i get it the police are trying to cut down on their work they're like well usually it's the closest person so we'll just go there first mm. but it, it as evident in this case not always the case um so yeah they couldn't find anything on him so he was cleared as a person of interest so they should really good um so from there the police reviewed cctv uh yeah sorry cctv footage yes there's too many letters <laughs> they reviewed cctv footage from businesses on sydney road and they did find footage of her oh um so i think that was like a really lucky break for the case for them um so she was seen walking down sydney road and she was on her phone when a man in a blue hoodie approached her and begins talking to her. If you look up the footage, she is not into this conversation at all. Oh, no. Can you, like, imagine yourself walking down the street late at night and a strange guy comes up to you and starts talking to you? I imagine most women in that position would probably act the same. 
That happened to me just in like, I was in a retail store and he worked there and it was, he was just like too much. And I was like, I, I'm going to buy. <laughs> like, I can't. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, I totally get it. Like, she keeps trying to like keep a distance between her and the man. Like, she keeps trying to, like, trail behind him and create more distance. Yeah. But he keeps walking back to her. It's Once you know what happens, it's really disturbing. But I kind of... I get her reaction. She doesn't know this guy. Yeah. He's just, like... Fuck politeness. Like, 1.30 a.m. Yeah, no. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so I would much rather be on the naughty distance. list in that situation. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we'll get to that a bit later. But um, she continues to walk into the, in the general direction of her home, even though he's following her. But then, obviously, the CCTV footage runs out, and you don't know what happens after that. So now it was like, who's the guy? Who's the guy in the blue hoodie? Because her husband doesn't recognize the guy at all. Right. Yep. So he didn't recognize so, her, so it's not likely someone she knew. Exactly. I have to admit... Because I feel like a lot of true crime cases that you read, it's all like dodgy police work and police messing up and stuff. But I've got to give them really like a lot of credit here because they did such a good job in finding this guy. It's almost crazy that they found him because it would have been a needle in a haystack kind of situation. That's great. They did. Uh, so yeah, props to the police on this one. They actually did the right thing. Um, so they started looking at her mobile phone history and they found that her phone was pinging in Brunswick, so close to her home up until about 4.30. After okay. that, it began to move north. Which they they deduced after the direction it was going that it was probably on the Tullamarine Freeway, which goes to the airport. Yeah. Um, so they then pulled photographs of all the cars that went through the tollway, and then they ran the number plates. All of and them. They, all of them. Jesus. Every single one of them. And I'm like, I don't know what kind of how long that would have taken them, but yeah. So they realized that a known sex offender had gone through it at around the same time her phone pinged in the area. Okay. So they were like, it's most likely probably this guy. This is nice to hear, like, actual police work happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I feel like you don't hear it very often. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about someone who's gone missing or had some other crime happen to them. Usually it's like, oh, police lost evidence or, you know, something like that. Whereas yeah. this time they actually went through and found the guy which is crazy um so i'm about to tell you about the uh known sex offender his name was adrian bailey and i'm about to list his criminal history and it's a lot and it lots of mentions of rape so just oh, another Jesus. warning um so he was well known to police and he had a criminal history starting from when he was 18 um when he was 18 he was arrested and charged with the rape of a 17 year old girl he got bail. What? While he was on bail, two months later, he assaulted two women. Oh, God. Okay. And he got bailed again. Ha hold on. That doesn't seem to make sense. How do you... No, it's fine. Keep going. <laughs> I'm just going to internally struggle with this for a minute. Oh, no. Trust me. This is going to be like the next section is going to be a struggle to deal with. Um the month after that, he got arrested again and charged with attempted rape of a 16-year-old girl. Uh, she managed to escape his car before he could do anything else, but he was bailed again. Okay, one, who keeps posting his bail? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, why is the court granting it in the first place is 
really beyond me. <sighs> I wonder. I wonder if it goes through the same judge all the time, or if it's different judges. Because if it's the same judge, that's worse. I would think probably not the same one because we're talking about like inner inner city Melbourne. So mm. mm-hmm. I would imagine that's probably a bit busier. If it was like in a more rural area, I'd go, yeah, probably the same one, but probably not this close to the city, I wouldn't think. Yeah. So by the end of that year, he had assaulted another person and was finally sentenced to five years jail. Five, just five years. Five years jail for the offences against three women. Wow, that's fucking nothing. Oh, it gets worse. Even though he was sentenced to five years, he only served 22 months. What? Before he was released. Yeah. Not even two years? <laughs> oh, I hope this fucker gets hit by a car. <laughs> um, that'd be nice. <laughs> so he was paroled um, after that. And he somehow managed to behave himself for that parole period, which I don't get. That's the, that's the fucked up thing that gets me about parole is that like you just have to behave well in prison mm. where there's not a lot to do. Like there's not a lot that you can do wrong. You just have to be a good prisoner compared to the other prisoners. And then that means that it's so flawed anyway. Yeah, I definitely 100% agree. And, I mean, clearly he got bailed multiple times when he kept doing the wrong thing. So the system clearly isn't strict enough to me reading that. Yeah. I mean, that was in the 90s, so I'd hope it's gotten better since then. I think it has, at least a little bit. (laughs) We'll see that it didn't for him. Um, So 10 years later, so now he's like 28 he ends up being arrested for 16 counts of rape. 16. My brain hurts. So he had five victims come forward to uh, give evidence against him. And this time he does get a longer sentence. I, I will say that. But it was only 11 years. That's not even a year per offense. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is not enough to me. No. Especially for a repeat offender. Yeah, that's insane. Um, however, even though he, he had an 11 year sentence, he only served eight. I hated how you looked at me just then when you went to say that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's so bad. Like, I don't understand how. That's an absolute this... failing. Yeah. Ugh. Um, so he gets uh, released on parole in, uh, 2010, but ends up breaching it in August of 2011 when he gets arrested for bashing a man in a pub. Right. This, this this part really gets me as well. I don't know why. He's burying a little bit. <laughs> it's just a failure um, like of the system. So he initially gets sentenced to three months jail for breaching his parole. Not for the assault, just for breaching his parole. But then he appeals it and just gets paroled again. What? So he doesn't no wonder he jail. keeps reoffending. He's like, nothing happens to me anyway. It doesn't matter. Exactly. So like, I might as well just keep going. Oh, God. So... You're probably not counting at this point, but by 2012, when Jill goes missing, he's been charged for a total of 22 counts of rape. Oh, my God. And he's out walking around in the public with no one really watching him. That's, just... when, you, that's when you need a microchip. Yeah. And you've got to bury it, like, in behind their eye or something. <laughs> it's just... I just... I don't understand how... Especially for, like, someone who is clearly repeat offending and escalating... That they're just let go. Yeah. It's just 
such a such a failure of the system because him not being in jail directly led to Jill Jill's disappearance. So yeah. Uh, so clearly, after I've told you all of that, you can see why the police would have been. It was the husband. No. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> that probably would have been easier for police, but no, that's not what happened. Um, so they were obviously very interested in him as a suspect because he's done so many things. Um, so they track him down and he gets interviewed for 10 hours by police. He remains. Uh, in denial that he had was involved in anything to do with it for the first six to seven hours. I mean, that's a long time. I probably would have cracked before then. I definitely would have cracked like instantly. <laughs> um, so he claimed for those six to seven hours that the only thing he knew about Jill is what he'd seen in the media because it was, it was everywhere in the media. Um, because at this point she's just missing. How long has she no been gone knows. by now? So it hasn't been that long. It's only been five or six days. Okay. Um, so that's honestly, yeah, amazing police work to get a turnaround that quickly. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's very like, oh, no, I know nothing. I've just seen the news. I know nothing. While he's being interviewed, the police are searching his home. Good. And this is when they get their big break because his girlfriend. He had him. a girlfriend? He had a girlfriend. How? I don't know. Okay, this is, okay, this is something that, that gets me and Laura all the time is that like, how the fuck do these people... Like we we understand the the psychology of like the um, uh, psychopaths that can put it on and like fake it and mm. be really charming until they get what they need and manipulating all that kind of stuff. But this dickhead does not sound like that. No, he doesn't sound like he's capable of that kind of intelligence. He just sounds lucky. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely think that that's the case. I just did his girlfriend not know. Did she not Did care? He, he was in jail for something else. I mean, if she didn't care, that's worse. How um, long, I wonder how long he'd been out by then. Because maybe it was just like a recent thing and she had no idea. He was still on parole. I mean, people have entirely secret lives. I don't think we have ankle monitors and shit like that here, though. No, I don't think we do either. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was only two years after he was released. Right. So it could have only been like a three months kind of thing. Yeah, he could have just met her. I don't know the situation. Yeah. I didn't look into the girlfriend because, I mean, she... It's not her fault. <laughs> oh, good. That's yeah. fine then. So she let the police know that she found a SIM card in his washing and she didn't know where it had come from. And it turned out to be Jill's SIM card. So that provided, without a doubt, that he had some connection to her disappearance. That's such a small thing to find as well. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like the big break. The big break in the case. Um, so after the police have basically said to him, we know you have her SIM card, he was like, okay, okay, it was me. Okay, so it didn't take much then. No, it really didn't. Um, so yeah, he cracked. He admitted to raping and killing Jill and six days after she went missing, he led police to her body. So was this his, was this his first, like, murder? Yes, it was. Okay, that's a big jump. Um, and... I'll be honest, there's no real explanation as to why he made that jump. Okay. It just sort of seems like it just happened. I'm not sure it was a plan or anything. Still, obviously, clearly, he's an asshole. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if he really planned on murdering her or if it just happened. Right, yeah. So, so now, at this point, I can say what actually happened the evening that Jill disappeared. 
So shortly after about 1.30 in the morning, Adrian Bailey was walking north along Sydney Road and spotted Jill ahead of him. Jill was on the phone to her brother, who lived in Western Australia, and she seemed visibly upset. Um, apparently she was talking to her brother about her father's declining health. Um, oh. She had just been there to help her brother look after him. And so she was, yeah, he, he said that she was visibly upset. So this is when Adrian tries to approach her. And that's what we see on the CCTV footage. However, he, he said the reason that he decided to attack her was because she seemed friendly at first, but then got really hostile. I wonder fucking why. Maybe it's because you're harassing a woman at 4.30 in the morning in the middle of the street. Yeah, I mean... Dickhead. I any, yeah, I don't think any woman would feel safe alone that late at night and then have a stranger approach them. I would be, like, I'd be standoffish as well, easily. Like, Yeah, I mean, I'm standoffish to people I like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same sometimes, but... <laughs> but yeah, so apparently um, she basically told him to piss off and that was the reason that he decided to attack Oh, yeah, him. he was just going to have a conversation with her before that. Exactly. Trash like, pile. Yeah, exactly. It's just the whole thing. He's a trash human being. I just... Anyway. So when they got to the first laneway off Hope Street, he brutally attacks her, rapes her, and then strangles her to death. And then just leaves her body there for hours. What? And no one, no one found her, which... Because that's is, not that far. I, mean, I guess it's late. Yeah, it's late. Yeah, it's like I that guess. weird dead witching hour of the morning kind of yeah. thing where there's just like nothing. Like even the bugs are asleep. And that's the thing. Where she was killed is like half a block from the main street. Jesus. It's so close. Um, how no one heard or seen anything kind of baffles me. But obviously no one did. Um, so he just leaves her body there and goes home. He lived in Coburg at the time to get a shovel in his car. And then he goes back and puts her in the boot and drives about 40 minutes to, uh, sorry, drives about 40 minutes north and bur buries her in a shallow grave. What a risk. Yeah. To just leave but her no there. Seen anything. He, this man must have 45 rabbit's feet in his back pocket or something. <laughs> or just like balls of steel. Like, I don't How many four leaf clovers has this dude found? <laughs> well, I mean, he eventually got busted here. So obviously his luck ran out. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the saddest aspects of this one is that she was only 200 meters from her house. She was almost home. So close. It's just, yeah. It's, it's so She's sad, only 200 but... meters from her house. Hmm. So was she already moved by the time the husband went out looking for her or was she still there and he just missed her? So I th I think that he went back at about 4.30. So her husband would have started looking before then. Wow. So he would have just like... Yeah. He probably would have walked past that alleyway. And just not gone down it. Mm. <sighs> That's a survival because... instinct though. Don't go down alleyways. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't do that. But um, the alleyway, I actually know the alleyways they're talking about. It's not really an alleyway. It's more like a half driveway. Like into a like back sort entrance of sort of thing. Yeah, because like right next to it is like a mechanic. So it's kind of like a half driveway going into the back of the mechanic. Right. Okay. So it's not like it's an alleyway that really goes anywhere. That people So there'd be no reason go. to walk down it to get exactly. anywhere. Right. Yeah. So... I can get why he might have not walked down there. Yeah, that makes sense. So 
uh, I mean, I, in a way, I'm like, I want to say it's good for the family that they found her so quickly, but obviously it's not because she was dead. Um, it's better than not having answers at all. Exactly. So at least they did get an answer. They got her body and they were able to, you know, probably bury her and get some closure on it. Um, but this part, this is the end part. Um, and it kind of makes me a bit angry. Oh, God. I'm notorious <laughs> so, for getting furious at things. So hit me. Okay. So he was charged with murder, obviously, uh, and was sentenced to life with a 35-year non-parole period. Mm-hmm. The fact that he got a non-parole period at all angers me beyond belief. Yeah. Um, but if my math is right, that means he could apply paro- for parole when he's 77. Jesus. I always I always take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. Like, you can apply for – then again, his track record is something to take into account. Yeah. But <laughs> I, think, I think there are some le- – I feel like there's a legal rule somewhere that says that there is a minimum non-parole period, but they have to be given a chance if – there's like a certain age or something like that or if it's like the first capital Mm. crime or something which is fucking stupid but his track record of getting parole every time he's asked for it is terrifying yeah exactly which is why it scares me so much so that means in his lifetime like 77 he's probably still going to be up and around and kicking um hopefully not potentially be free again I do think that if they had, like, when they get paroled, if they get paroled and they're, like, elderly or whatever, they shouldn't be allowed to change their name. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I don't think they should be allowed to anyway. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Especially if it's, like, a horrific murder like this one. Yeah. You shouldn't have the right to do that. Wow. So he's in jail right now. He is. Um, They did change the laws after this case because obviously they looked at it and went, oh my God, he's been paroled so many times. He should not have been on the street. Someone fucked up, yeah. Um, So in in the state of Victoria, they did change the law around um, approving parole. So I think it is really not likely that he'll be given it again. Good. um, Because someone has to, you know, manually review it. And I would think that if you looked at his history and looked at this case, why on earth would you say yes? Yeah. Wow, that's insane. So, so yeah. he's he's six years into his sentence then. Yeah. Wow. Wait, 2012? Did you say? Anyway, eight years. Eight, eight years. years. <laughs> I was. I thought it was 2014 for some reason. Um, 2012. Oh wow, that's insane. Good. He's got another what, twenty something years to go. Yeah. You know. Jesus. I mean, I feel I feel kind of bad saying this, but also not at the same time. Hopefully he dies before then. I was gonna say hopefully uh, he gets shanked. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I did say before, before I hope he gets hit by a car, but if he's in prison, I don't think that's going to happen. Hopefully there's no, a I... guy named Car in prison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one can only hope. I mean, yeah, I have no sympathy for this guy. He's a trash human being. That's I... insane. Yeah. And so that's uh, yeah. that's the area that you lived in when you first sort of moved. Yeah, so I lived in Brunswick. I definitely know exactly the places they're talking about. Jesus. Um, which was kind of wild for me when I was researching this. I was like, oh, definitely walk past there. Yeah, it's really eerie. That's like for the yeah. Claremont serial killer case. I was like, I've been there. I've driven past this thing. I Yeah, mm. it's it's really insane. And you get really deeply into it as well. Wow, that was insane. That was that was a good story. Horrible, horrible events, but good story. Yeah, it's definitely like interesting to see 
how people like this get handled in the justice system. Yeah, and it's good they I made some changes perfect, towards but... the end as well, like in terms of the parole Yeah, I don't think review. it's perfect at this point, but obviously it can only get better with time. Or oh, hopefully. I shouldn't say that. I just jinxed it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but, I mean, hopefully it just gets better with time because I definitely, um, you know, read stories all the time where people have been paroled when they shouldn't have been. Oh, God. I think it is changing for the better, for sure. It's all, it's all, it's all bad. Um, mm. So my story doesn't have anything to do with parole, but it does have a lot of things to do about being angry. <laughs> As it like, it'll make you angry because it's oh, really pointless. So I'm doing the Devils of Dayton. So um, if you've been listening to the other Christmas episodes, you'll know that um, I do the Christmas theme one. Um, so I'm going to preface this with the note that the story has a lot of conflicting information that I found. Um, there are some basic details that were just across the board, uh, but some others that are only in one or two places. So I sort of didn't include them because I wasn't hundred percent sure. Um, the crimes are so senseless and they're in such kind of a, a weird sort of local pocket, um, in the U S that I couldn't actually find much other than the Dayton daily newspaper to go off so there was wow, a couple okay. of things on wikipedia um on murderpedia there was two or three sort of as it was happening and then 10 20 years later sort of reviews from the dayton daily there's one thing in the new york times um but there wasn't a lot that was this 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 then this happened kind of thing that was all the same so they all even dayton daily news ha- had some things in one story and not in another so yeah it really annoyed me so (laughs) so um it's kind of pieced together um so yeah this is the devils of dayton christmas eve 1992 a group of four teenagers who in air quotes this is something that they actually said wanted more drama in their lives (laughs) okay yep uh decided to go on a christmas adventure of murder mayhem and destruction i can't i can't say that that was something that i was doing as a teenager no, I mean the mayhem bit, sure. Sure, yeah, but like the drama, the other bits. sure. Not the murder part, not the murder part. Yeah, yeah. So the leader of the group, Marvelous Keen, was 19, year old, 19 years old at the time of the spree. Up until the year before, Marvelous was actually classified as a good kid. Um, he was a good student, decent grades, never been arrested, no criminal history. 1991, his brother was killed while committing a robbery and that changed him. He became depressed, withdrawn, and essentially gave up on his education and it seemed his entire future. Who wouldn't after something like that? Yeah, well, I mean, some people take it and sort of try and change the story, change the narrative a little bit, you know, try and maybe yeah. work towards being better and I don't know. Anyway, He's, uh, gone in the other direction, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes, he yeah. very much went down a cliff i'm not gonna say downhill because this is just something else um yeah so keen actually moved away from dayton to california with his dad but came back mid-1992 after there were financial issues in the home um following a trend he then left his mother's in dayton in december uh, again about financial issues um and he found himself in a halfway home in downtown Dayton. And everywhere I read, they kept calling it a flop house. But I can't in good conscience call it that because it sounds ridiculous. What is a flop house? <laughs> I think it's like I think it's like a shared apartment with just like people everywhere. Okay. 
It just sounds I t- really I don't, <laughs> It sounds ridiculous. So I call it a halfway house because I don't know what the fuck a flop house is, but I hate it. Um, yeah, I get that. Without a job, a real home or family support, Marvelous Keen and his, again, air quotes, friends came up with an idea on how to get cash for Christmas. Okay. His friends were his girlfriend, Taylor, who was 16, Demarcus Smith, who was 17, and Smith's girlfriend, Heather Matthews, who was 20. They planned on robbing Joseph Wilkerson. So he was 34 and an acquaintance of Keane's girlfriend, Taylor. They lured Wilkinson into their trap uh, on the 24th of December by promising group sex with the two girls, which one of them's 16. That's so illegal. What the, the other's fuck? 20. And this dude's 34. So, like, I'm not saying, like, just just don't, just don't, just don't do things. Um. After a drink, Wilkerson and Taylor went to the bedroom, a brief wait, and then Keane and Matthews followed them. Wilkerson began to take his clothes off. Taylor and Matthews pretended to do the same. Keane then began to remove his own pants, but pulled them back up and drew a gun. He ordered Wilkerson onto the bed, then got Taylor and Matthews to tie Wilkerson's hands to the bed and search the house. Wilkerson told Keane that he had a gun in the garage. After fetching it, Keane covered him in blankets and shot him in the chest with it. Taylor and Matthews returned to the bedroom and found Wilkerson shaking and dying. Taylor, which is Marvelous's girlfriend, was given Wilkinson's gun, but it jammed. Keane then gave his girlfriend his own gun and she shot Wilkinson in the head. There's just so many levels of fucked up. Yep. And their loot from the robbery was a microwave oven, a small TV, a phone, a curling iron and blow dryer, and then Wilkinson's car. I mean, the only item that's really worth it there is the car, but I'm assuming they wouldn't be able to keep it because it's stolen. Right. Uh, And these are a bunch of teenagers. Like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, exactly. So later that same day, so this is Christmas Eve, um, while walking along the street, uh, they came across 18-year-old mother, Danita. I'm going to say Gillette, but I don't know if that's right. It's G-U-L-L-E-T-T-E. That's how I would pronounce it. Gillette? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um... But she was making a phone call in a phone booth. You remember phone booths? Oh, um, how old fashion. <laughs> it was 1992. Um, Kane approached the booth, pointed a gun at her face and said, Merry Christmas, bitch. They took her coat and her shoes and then fired nine rounds into her while she sat in the booth begging for her life. In her pocket, she had all of 50 cents. 50 cents? She had 50 cents in her pockets and they took her shoes and her coat. That was it. That's making me wonder, like, is this really about the stuff? I don't fucking think so, because I don't get much out of it. Exactly. So if, like, you're already onto your your second and you're not getting anything, why would you keep going? Mm. Yeah, it's just, well, they want a drama in their lives, remember? Couldn't they just, like, start a rumor or something like everyone else in high school? Start a rumor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go do drugs or something else. Don't do this. Exactly. Oh, man. Um. The third victim of theirs um, was on Christmas Eve. Uh, Sorry, the third victim... I can't read my own writing. I really can't. I just can't read in general. Okay. The third victim of theirs on Christmas Eve was the ex-boyfriend of Heather Matthews. His name was Jeffrey Wright, who also lived at, again, they called it a flop house, the halfway house is what I'm going to call it. Um, He was shot four times in the legs by Demarcus Smith, Heather's current boyfriend, but amazingly Wright survived. He also wasn't robbed. So this is just carnage for the sake of carnage now. So I was kind of right in my theory that it's really not about what they're getting out of it. No. 
Christmas morning, Laura Taylor, which is um, Marvelous Keen's girlfriend, robbed and killed with a bullet to the head her own ex-boyfriend, Richmond Maddox. This is where I saw some conflicting information. I saw some stuff saying that they put him in his car um, and then drove it into a tree and then just walked away from it is one report. And then there's another report that he was shot in the head but the car was left near a hospital and then there was another one that said it was just at his house like there was so much so I have no idea what actually happened to him and I could not find it the thing we do know is that he was killed he's dead yeah (laughs) that's about as much as we got um then Kane and Smith stole a Dodge Shadow at a fuel stop so they just went and they held a person up at gunpoint stole the car took off wonder why they didn't kill that person since they're just you know killing willy-nilly at this point yeah exactly so boxing day which i found out recently is not called boxing day in the u.s it's just the 26th of december yeah i think boxing day is just here in the uk i'm pretty sure yeah i don't know but anyway it was weird for me because they were like the december 26th the day after christmas and i was like you mean boxing yeah (laughs) that's what that's called yeah yeah um now they called themselves their own little gang, robbed a mini-mart. They killed the attendant, Sarah Abraham, who was 38, after she gave them all the money from the till. They also shot at two Samaritans in the mini-mart, but didn't kill or injure them. They got $44 from oh the till. Oh, my God. Yeah. The other question is, how are they continuing to get away with this? Isn't someone noticing all these dead people? Well, okay, hold on. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm getting mad okay, sorry. <laughs> um... Now, the next actions they took were in order to cover their tracks, according to police. Um, Two people the group knew from the halfway home, uh, Marvin Washington, who was 19, and Wendy Cottrell, who was 16, had both witnessed the attack on Jeffrey Wright, and it's thought they were worried um, that they would talk to the police and that they would tell on them, essentially. Um, They took them to a gravel pit and shot them, and afterwards, after they had killed them, they took Cottrell's shoes how can you be that desperate like it's just point it's just so it's just so petty and senseless so they were driving around in the dodge which had been reported stolen the day before um and a police sergeant pulled the vehicle over thinking he was arresting you know joe riders on the holidays whatever bunch of drunk teenagers but instead he found several guns and bloody clothes in the vehicle Now, police hadn't yet found the first or the last two victims and the others weren't linked because Dayton was kind of the place where this shit just didn't happen. Like they barely had any crime Um, and they'd had a gas station robbery where someone had died. They'd had uh, in a lower sort of halfway section um, downtown area, somebody had been shot. They hadn't found the first guy Um, and then there was somebody else because it's just so random like there's no No, like obvious no pattern to it yeah and like the the woman um oh I'm so sorry I've forgotten her name Uh, Danita in the phone booth she was just a just somebody that they walked past like there wasn't a connection to be made you know yeah um so they they hadn't linked it all together eventually they would string together the rampage of the four bored and ruthless teenagers um and when they were pulled over in the vehicle they immediately put their hands up no fight just surrendered straight up didn't try and deny anything didn't say anything i have no idea there isn't one that's kind of the issue with this um 
the four were charged with two of them being under 18. They were spared from any like major like death penalty or anything like that. Um, Heather Matthews, who was 20, she cut a deal to agree to testify so that they wouldn't go for the death penalty. But Marvelous Keane was prosecuted to the full extent of the law. There's a lot of stuff um, that I saw as well. But again, there was like bits and pieces everywhere else of Marvelous not really fighting anything. Like he'd just completely given up. He didn't give a shit what happened. He didn't go for parole. He didn't go for like appeals. He didn't try a stay of execution, any of that kind of shit. Makes you kind of curious as to why. You would think that he was only 20, right? Yeah. He was 19, 19. at the time okay. he was arrested. You would think at that point yeah. that you'd be keen to not, you know, die. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm just going to bring it up quickly because I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. Um, so Marvelous uh, was sentenced to death. He was executed on July 21st, 2009. The others are still in prison, unlikely to ever get out. Um, they won't be eligible for parole until they're like, uh, until 25 years. So until they're like 45, uh, which I think is past now. Oh, so they're just I think they are eligible up. for parole, but they're not likely to get mm. it. Um, you know, the way it should be. Because this always really interests me. Um, Murderpedia actually has his final meal and his last words oh okay on there as well so fi- final meals always intrigue me because i'm like i wonder what the fuck i would pick yeah i don't know either actually it'd be really hard decision yeah and also i i thought or maybe they didn't then oh it was 2009 but i thought that they had like a limit of how much they could spend like i didn't think you could order like you know that really expensive Sunday that has like gold lease on it it's like $25,000 or something stupid you can't have that like caviar but I think, or something else that's like really expensive yeah I think there's a limit of what you can actually spend I don't know but um Marvelous Keen's final meal was a porterhouse steak with A1 sauce which I don't know what that is a pound of jumbo fried shrimp with cocktail sauce nice a pound a pound I mean if you if you're going anyway why not eat as much as you possibly can yeah french fries and onion rings with ketchup dinner rolls with butter two plums random a mango a pound of seedless white grapes so you like this fruit okay german chocolate cake two bottles of pepsi and two bottles of a and w cream soda i would definitely vomit after all of that you would yeah like that is a lot of food that's so much i wonder if i don't actually know but i wonder if he finished it i'm kind of curious that i hate that i'm curious (laughs) because yeah that is a mountain of food i don't think i could eat that and i i can eat a lot but i don't think i could do that yeah yeah um so yeah so marvelous keen was executed on the 21st of july 2009 um the others are still in prison unlikely to ever get out they're actually serving prison sentences in excess of a hundred years. Wow. Okay. So they got it. They got a shit ton of time because of just how ridiculous it was. Um, he was killed by lethal injection, and his final. When asked if he had any final words, he said, "I have no words." So edgy. <laughs> so like, a uh, teenage vampire or some shit. Um, and that is the story of the Devils of Dayton, the town's most senseless, horrible, and pointless crime spree committed by guideless teens for some petty cash and drama. 
I mean, what a fucking Christmas, Dayton. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, as you were telling it, I'm like, this is definitely the act of teenagers because it's just so stupid. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no pattern. There's no logic. There's no thinking. There's no. There's not even like rage. No, there's nothing. There's no dry. There's nothing there. It's just because they could. It was so fucking weird. I just. I mean, I guess I struggle to relate. I have been a teenager, but there was no point in my teenage years where I was like, yeah, let's go kill someone. So I'm like, why? Like, why would you think that that's a I good know. idea? I, I wish I had, like, more of a a proper thing to dive into to look at what happened and why it happened. If there's, like, a book or something that I maybe didn't see, like, I definitely probably could have sunk more time into it. But there's just it's just so confusing of like what the fuck. Yeah, definitely. I totally get that. Um, I think the thing I'm most curious about is I would love to know, which probably isn't available to the public, so it wasn't that long ago. I would love to know what they said in court. Yeah, like what they yeah. I mean, was. surely there's a court transcript or something like that somewhere. Um, I would just love to know what their excuse was because surely they would have had to have given some kind of statement about what happened. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to see their initial police statements. Oh, that's yeah, for that'd sure. be good. I, I doubt it's so recent. I doubt that kind of stuff would be available, but there are some court documents. Keen v. Mitchell from two thousand eight, but there's just so much, and there's lots of like. <laughs> I did try and look at it to try and get a better understanding of what happened to like specific things that I didn't have a lot of details on, but a lot of it is like citations of other court documents oh well yeah that's not gonna <laughs> and work. i was like this is a rabbit hole i am not prepared for yeah <laughs> um but there's there's just so much and like the the pictures of there's just so much there's so many photos of them and like just it it just breaks my brain with like the ridiculousness of it because like i mean it's not an excuse, but I almost understand if you were desperate for money or something. Like, that would at least make some kind of sense. Yeah, the thing that gets me is that, yeah, there's no, like... Like, it's not an excuse, but, like, there's usually cause and effect, right? Yeah, exactly. This is just an effect. Like, there's no start of that. It, Do you know what I mean? It's such an extreme reaction to yeah. nothing. <laughs> that is so yeah. confusing to me. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Man, I just wish there was more that I had on that. But that is probably, a, it's just very confusing. Most of my stories are usually infuriating <laughs> because something's gone wrong and like it hasn't been mm. able to been caught or whatever like that. But this is just a lot of question marks of what the fuck. Yeah, definitely. Just no, there's no logic here. <laughs> there's nothing. no. No, um, no. Yeah, I think that's what's getting me. I can't, I can't. My brain's having trouble trying to understand why that would have even happened in the first place. Yeah. I just want to know what sort of trigger there was or just it's, oh, it's going to drive me nuts. Anyway. It's obviously, though, <laughs> that one of them had influence over the others. Oh, yeah. Well, Kane was definitely yeah, like the ringleader. Sure. And then his girlfriend was also like enthralled with him or whatever the fuck that was. Mm. And then the other two were just kind of there and then got roped into it and, you know, just didn't give a shit one way or another. So they went along with it. But 
I don't know how you can sit around in a group of four people and one of them goes, we should rob and kill people. And then the rest of them are like, oh, yeah, okay, sounds like a good weekend. Yeah, like, it doesn't make any sense. Can you imagine being, like, in high school and one of your friends are like, hey, like, just before Christmas, let's go on a murder spree. Yeah, what do you got? What are your Christmas plans? You want to go and just kill a bunch of people? Yeah, let's do like- that. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, anyway, that was that story. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Just going to break my brain for the rest of the day. It's fine. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? I guess I probably should do that, shouldn't I? Um, yes. So I co-host two podcasts. Um, the first one is Fuck Me Dead, which we kind of just make fun of Australian news because why not? Um, and the second one is The Devil's Margarita, which is a true crime podcast. And that kind of came about because I couldn't stop talking about true crime on my other one, which wasn't about true crime. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I needed an outlet. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the two things that I have to plug. That's great. So um, do you have websites for them or is it just socials? Um, socials are probably the best place, but I really should have written down websites beforehand, but I didn't. That's fine. You can send them to me. Uh, links for both of those um, and anything else you want to plug will be in the show notes. Um, and go check out those podcasts. And while you're there, go to all of our Instagrams and interact with us. Say hi. Um you know, Dead Obsessed has a Facebook group. We have um, a link tree with all sorts of stuff. And if you have your own city story, um, hit us up. Get onto our uh, Instagram, click the link, and then submit your city story there. Or you can just email it at deadobsessed at gmail.com. Um, but thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. And this is a, a Merry Christmas from us. Um, Laura's not here. Hope you all have a fabulous, safe and happy holidays and don't go around killing people for no apparent yeah, reason. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will uh, see you. I always say we'll see you next time, but it sounds weird. <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You know you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to do JonBenet Ramsey so bad, but I just did not have the time. I was like, no, I need to do that fucking case justice like – it's like the most famous Christmas case ever and I could not bring myself to do it because I need to dedicate more time yeah, to it. there's a lot in there. There's just so much and it's so insane and everybody knows about it as well. So that's uh, one of the reasons I did not do Jean Bonnet, although I I started it. I started it. <laughs> I I did this. I started this story that I just did and then I went, I just, I want to, I got to look at it. And so I started a second story which was Jean Bonnet and then I was like I just no I don't I can't do it I need more time and I need like just an entire library (laughs) the whole thing is so confusing on that one (laughs) yeah the whole thing's fucked it's all fucked (laughs) this is dead obsessed